Thank you very much. <laughs> Oops. I'm very new to this. But yeah, um, I am, as uh, this lovely la lady said, I am a women's affairs journalist for the BBC World Service, and I am part of a project called BBC 2020. We aim to target our underserved audiences around the world, and our underserved audiences are mainly women and 18 to 25-year-olds. I work um, as a, a journalist for the Near East Digital Hub. And when I say Near East, it, it is comprised of five different language services. It's Persian, Afghan, Turkish, Uzbek, and Kyrgyz. When I say Afghan, of course, Afghan is not a language, but it is comprised of both Persian and Pashto. And um, my job is to basically create content or help these language services create content to increase the women's engagement on their social media platforms and to also bring a female narrative into their news and feature stories on their digital platforms. But it is challenging because there's a wide gender gap on the social media platforms and digital platforms of most of these language services, except basically the Turkish language service. The rest, they have a very wide gender gap, and it's very hard to reach out to women in these countries. So in this talk, I will be talking about basically some of the reasons behind the gender gap and how it can affect our job as journalists, how dangerous it can be editorially for us, and what are some of the things we can do to create a safer space for women to engage engage with our posts, and then use it as a news gathering tool to create more content so that they can engage with us more. But first of all, let's have a look at what internet use is all about in Afghanistan. In Afghanistan, internet is in its infancy. Only 11% of the population are active internet users. That's 4.1 million people. And when it comes to social media, it's only 10% of the population. That is 3.5 million people. And then um, Facebook is the most popular um, social media platform, and almost everybody who's on social media is on Facebook, as you see. But look at the gender gap. It is really, really weird. 84% of the profiles registered are male on Facebook. Only 16% are female. And see how that translates into BBC Pashto platforms? For instance, we have 3.1 uh, million followers. 96% of them are men. 4% only women, and even that 4% are not engaging with our posts. So sometimes our, the engagement on our posts is like 2%. And BBC Persian, BBC Persian Facebook. BBC Persian Facebook also, it is very popular in, in, in Afghanistan. You see 81% are um, male followers and only 19% female. In um, Iran, internet is more widespread. 69% of the population are active internet users. And the social media is also very, very popular. So 49% of the population, around 40 million people are active social media users. And Instagram is the most popular social media platform in Iran. And that is because social medias are uh, mostly blocked and filtered by the, by the state. So the only uh, platform which is not filtered by the state is Instagram. That is why it's so popular, 24 million people. And of course, Instagram, everybody knows, is very popular with men, women. So that is why you don't see a very wide 
uh, gender gap here. It's only 45, you have 45% actually uh, women on Instagram. But when it comes to BBC Persian Facebook, all of a sudden, we have 2.3 million followers and only 20% of them are female. So there's not that engagement. They're not engaging with our posts. Now, what are some of the reasons behind this gender gap? What we need to understand is that social media is another public space. In a lot of sense, it does reflect our social norms and our offline public spaces. And what you need to understand about a culture and a society as conservative as Afghanistan is that public spaces are really, really hostile to women. In Afghanistan, women are not accepted to be present in public spaces without a re male relative. If they are present, they have to be modest, submissive, and not interact with opposite sex. Even when they do all of that, they are still subjected to harassment, bullying, sexual harassment, and shaming. Now, um, another, this, this completely reflects in their social media behavior. A recent survey was carried out in Afghanistan, and 20% of the women who took part in this survey said they were only friends with same-sex users on their Facebook pages. 35% of them were only friends with family members, whereas 67% of Afghan men said they were friends with mixed-gender users beyond their family and relative circles. In Iran, the society is not as conservative as Afghanistan, but it is still a sexist society. Sexism drips all over this society, from the top of the political system down to the family unit. And what you see is that sexual harassment in public spaces is very common also in Iran. So most of the um, female Iranian and Afghan social media users uh, say reports being sexually harassed, bullied, shamed after commenting on public posts or engaging in any kind of debate on a public post. Hence, their passive existence on these social media platforms. But how does that, how does this gender gap affect my job as a journalist or our jobs as a journalist. If you use, let me, let me start it, let me go through it like this, you know, in society, in our, in our offline society, when women are marginalized and sidelined and silenced, what happens? Their needs, their issues, their challenges are deemed unimportant. They're not prioritized. They're not on top of the political agenda. All right? The same thing happens on social media when you are using social media as a news gathering tool. And that is what we are more and more and more doing these days. We are using social media to interact with our audiences and understand what is it that they need from us to, pro to provide for them, basically. So the more silent women are on our social media platforms as audiences, it affects our editorial decisions. You know, we forget that they're there. So we are just producing content that appeals to more men in the, in the society, and we forget about their challenges and issues. And what happens, we are just marginalizing and sidelining and disenfranchising them even more. And that's why it's a vicious circle that we need to actually break as journalists. 
but it is, it is challenging, but you can actually find creative ways to do it. And I have tried to find those creative ways to do it. Um, basically, last year, I started my job, this journey basically, as a women's affairs journalist last year. And I realized that the female narrative didn't exist on our websites mostly. It was like really, really tiny. And for instance, any kind of story that was happening, any statistics that came, we were focusing on mostly interviewing men and you know, getting their point of view. And there was not much of a female perspective. I knew I had to change that. I knew if I wanted to reach out to women, I needed to change that. But I am based in London. And as a BBC journalist, I am not allowed to go to Iran. If I go, I end up in prison. So I can go. I can never leave, though. So um, that is the problem. So I have to use social media, rely heavily on social media to reach, to listen to people, and to talk to people, and to find out what is important to them. But when women are silenced, what am I going to do? You know, they're not talking to me. So I decided to create a safe space on my own Instagram, Instagram profile, in order for women to be able to talk to me, to comment and to engage in debates. When I started this, I only had around 9,000 followers on Instagram. I actually wanted to show my profile to you, but it doesn't have internet, so whatever. <laughs> you can then go and check it. But I have 81,000 followers right now, um, and 63% female engagement on my uh, profile. Now, I did this by challenging certain social norms. So as I said, one of the main reasons why women are silent and passive on our social media platforms is harassment and bullying. When I went and I checked other female journalists from our region and their profiles, a lot of them, their profiles were either private, and when I asked them, they said, oh, God, I don't want to fuck that. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with the harassment. The others were saying, um, who were public and had open pages, they weren't doing anything about the harassment. So their post, under their post, was littered with sexual harassment and bullying. And that's why you didn't see that much female engagement. But that is part of our culture and social norm. We are told as women that we are not supposed to acknowledge this harassment. It's a disgrace for a woman to actually acknowledge it, let alone react to it. So I started to, I, I, I said, I'm going to do something totally different. So I was really badly body shamed after I presented something on TV. And I decided instead of just being quiet and silent, I decided to create a hashtag and encourage every other person who has been body shamed to use that hashtag and tweet about it. And so many women started tweeting. And it became the second hottest hashtag trend in BBC, in Persian Twitter, basically, in 24 hours. And it went on for a week, basically. And a lot of women started following my page as well. And whenever I was sexually harassed on my page, instead of silently ignoring it like a good girl that I was supposed to be, I decided to actually engage in a, in a conversation with the person who was 
sexually harassing or abusing me. I'm not saying it always worked. Sometimes it was a disaster and people were like, oh my God, what are you doing? Are you sane? But I did it. Um, and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't work. But what happened was that it created, it created a space where women could actually talk about this issue. They knew that this place was okay. They could talk about it. And men who were following my page also came to the, under, this understanding that it's not going to be ignored here. Here they, they, they are going to be challenged. And that created a safe space. Another thing which was very important, and I think it's very important as a journalist to understand, is that to understand what the gap is, where the gap is, and how you can fill it out as a journalist, what content you need to provide for your audience in order for them to engage with you. So I was um, becoming members of all these popular profiles, which were very popular with women in Iran, and I realized that basically they're just reinforcing the gender stereotypes, and nobody was challenging any of the social norms because they have to pay a very heavy price for it. But I was living in London, and I could do it, so I said, okay, I'm going to do it. So I started talking about very taboo stuff and giving information about it, you know, talking about what is happening uh, around the world, what is the debate about, for instance, virginity tests and stuff like that. And women started to engage even more. And they started to follow. They, they were like, oh, this, this page is giving me some perspective. It was different than cooking and fashion and makeup and how to be a good wife, you know. So these were some of the things I did to create a safer space for women. But how does that translate into you know, are, are basically, how do you say it, uh, on, our, on our platforms in, on BBC. Let me see if I can play this for you. I try. Yes, I can. So this is, you know, I wanted to do a, a season about disability in Iran. But I didn't want to talk about the, just, every, just, just disability. I wanted women with disabilities to talk about what it means to be a woman and a sexual being and have, wanting to feel beautiful but have a physical disability. So I reached out to my followers on Instagram and they started filming, filming themselves and telling me their stories. And we put these on our, on our Facebook pages. So on a Facebook page that you only have 18% female engagement, we had 54% women engagement with these posts with this post. This is a girl, she, had, she was born with a physical disability in her uh, uh, hand and her feet, and she was always covered by her parents because they didn't want to show it. It's, you know, you don't want a girl who has a physical disability in Iran, basically. So she, as an artist, she, she put herself as an art object. She put one of her, her hand in a bowl of water and a, her foot in a bowl of water and sat there in, a, in an art gallery for, I don't know, an hour for people to see her disability. And from then, she started actually showing it wearing sleeves instead of capes. So this is her story telling us. And because I don't ha I, we don't have journalists inside Iran, these women have filmed it themselves. So another story I want to show to you, if I can, um, is this one. This is also a woman. She she is in Iran. She uh, became she she became paralyzed after a car accident um, in Iran, and she is talking about how she tried to has tried to keep up and be the woman that she always was, you know, getting her hair done, wearing her makeup, buying nice clothes for herself, and just, just 
continue being a woman. Um, these are very taboo subjects in a country like Iran where female sexuality is just hush-hush, let alone being a disabled woman and talk about wanting to be beautiful and pretty and uh, sexual. So this also had 49% female engagement on our Facebook page. Um, another story which I also use, uh, that woman was also one of my followers on Instagram. This is also a woman who basically kind of reached out to me. This is a woman, sometimes our stories actually travel beyond our own language services. This was, went viral on our other language services as well. This was a woman that she was following my page and she got in touch with me. Uh, she comes from a very, very tiny village in north of Iran and she wanted to talk about being a sexual woman. She, she, she has never had a relationship or has ever been um, you know, in a sexual relationship, but she was talking about, this is a letter basically she has written, of how she fell in love with someone and how everybody told her that just because you're disabled you shouldn't allow yourself to do that. And they stopped her from actually being in a relationship with anyone. Her family stopped her from doing that. So that is another story, bringing that female narrative into our news stories, into our feature stories. And this is another uh, example we did for the BBC Persian. Um, we, I, I got some statistics from the World Health Organization about um, obesity in Iran and you know, boring data and boring statistics. So I was like, how can I make it more interesting so that women would engage with it more? So I asked again my followers on Instagram, if you have been struggling with obesity, get in touch with me. And they started writing all these beautiful stories about what happened to them. You know, forced marriages, forced abortion, abuse, all of these things that, you know, got them into depressions and stuff like that. And then they, they started eating their emotions. And, you know, the, again, these are very, very taboo subjects in Iran. You don't talk about these things in public. But these women openly wrote about it. And we published them on our website. And they also did really, really well on our website and we had a lot of engagement. A lot of people were talking about these stories um, on basically um, social media platforms. Now, but it is not as easy and rosy um, in general because a lot of times, no matter what content you are producing, how hard you are trying, the social... The, the public space or the social media platform is so hostile to women that women cannot engage. And that is evident in our Afghan social media platforms. Women are scared. They are in fear of actually talking to us. So what we have done, we have created closed groups for women these are secret, basically, closed groups where they, we, we invite them and they can invite their friends and we, we create that very safe place and we're very, very vigilant that nobody can get into these groups. And we talk about issues which are important there. We have polls. We, we create polls and we ask them, what is it that is important to you? They talk about taboo issues, menstruation, sex, abortions, all of these things. And they also have political debates. Political debates... 
if a woman has a political debate on a social media platform in Afghanistan, she will be definitely bullied, you know? But they can talk about these things in these closed groups. It's a safe place, and it is our direct contact with women in Afghanistan, all the way from London, but we can talk to them. So we also have like live Facebook debate, debates broadcast from London for our audience in Kabul. Um, and that is how we can reach out to them. So in general, what I want to say is that the online world does give women in societies, in, in societies like Iran and Afghanistan, unprecedented freedom to express themselves in ways that they cannot do that in the offline world. But again, you have to be creative and you have to actively try to make these public spaces safer for women in order for them to be able to express themselves. Otherwise, you fall into that danger of just having another male-dominated public space which completely marginalizes and sidelines these women. And that affects us as journalists who are using the online platforms as our news gathering tools more and more these days. So it's very, very dangerous and we need to be creative and make sure that we harvest this freedom that these women have in order to reflect what they're saying and bring, reflect what they're thinking and all their needs and bring a more female narrative into this online world and our social media platforms. And with that, I close. Thank you, but you can ask me any questions if you want. <laughs> any questions, um, any questions, any thoughts, any comments, please. Yeah, are there questions? There's one Hi, thank you very much. I've got a, a question, maybe it's like a Western perspective because I'm not very good at those mm. countries. But when the women from those countries are showing their face and their pictures, isn't there a safety issue? Mm. Oh. I'm telling you, there is. <laughs> um, some, most of the stories, um, especially in Iran, most of the stories I work on, um, women say they want to be anonymous. And we use illustrations and stuff to visualize it. Um, in Afghanistan, it is 90%. 99% anonymous, and that is a challenge because they don't want to be filmed, they don't want to be identified. Um, those women who actually sent us their videos, they were really brave. And I told them, I was like, are you really sure? They were like, yes, we think we need to talk about this. I was like, okay, if, if that's what you want to do. But yeah, um, it's, you will be surprised how willing women are to actually take some action as long as you say you are you're going to be safe. It's, you, and you need to give that feeling to them. But however, I'm telling you, like we, we, ha we have had problems of using a, a generic Getty image that is, you know, any, any journalist can use and do a story about Afghanistan. And then the woman got, who was in the photo, who had nothing to do with the story we're doing, would come in front of BBC, BBC's office in Afghanistan and say that, this has caused me a problem. My father wanted to do this or that to me. So we've had those issues. We have to be very, very vigilant and careful about it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, do you have any um, upcoming projects to empower more women? 
Um, I am working on an abortion project right now because on 20, 25th of May, um, Ireland is going to hold um, hold a, a referendum on abortion. So I decided to create a, a season about abortion for a region, and I have got some fantastic case studies and stories from even Afghanistan, women who Afga in Afghanistan and Iran talking about getting underground and illegal abortions. Um, and just, we are talking to pro-life and pro-choice groups and United Nations to give more a, bit, a better perspective to women inside Iran and Afghanistan. Um, about what abortion is and what their rights could be um, in the future. Thank you. Hi, um, thanks again for this talk, very inspiring. I think it's Thank a very simple kind of solution that very, that, yeah, goes right where it should go. Um, I'd be interested in the audience that you're, um, I mean, there's all kinds of women out there, but what kind of audience are you actually engaging mm. with? Are they more academic women or where do they come from? Well, um, what you need to understand is that Instagram in Iran is um, not the most as we call it in Farsi, Roshan Fekin, not the most intellectually uh, platform. It has a wide range of audience. So you have educated, you have not so educated wives, um, you know, uh, different kind of working women and women who are not. But with our Afghan audience, what you need to under what is very necessary to understand is that the literacy rate in Afghanistan for women is only 17%. So what we have to create all the time on our platforms is audio and video content because text content doesn't mean anything. That's why they don't go on our website or anything, you know? And that's why they cannot also engage like that. So we also have closed WhatsApp groups where they can send us um, audio files and talk to us because that is the most important thing. You know, 17%, that means basically nothing. So we have a wide range, but of course, different platforms are different. You know, Facebook um, in Iran is banned, so it's not that popular. But in Afghanistan, it is basically the urban population of Afghanistan. Thank you. So there's one last question. Hi, thanks. Uh, sorry that I'm a guy asking the last question. Um, <laughs> Very well, great. <laughs> thank you, thank you for this. This is great. I guess I have like kind of a two-part question. Sorry. Um, I have oh, a two, yeah. two, kind of two mini questions. One is, I, I do feel like the onus for changing this is probably very much on these platforms. Sorry? As I do feel like the onus for changing this, um, like I feel like somewhat the responsibility of, if there's only 17% engagement on Facebook, I feel like Facebook can probably do more to make that, to increase that, right? And they probably have a strong incentive to do that. Um, oh, sorry. That was actually not quite. Um, yeah, but well, I... I, <laughs> um, I Go for it. Sorry, That's go, actually, that go. can be. So, well, I was just, like, I know Facebook a year ago rolled out a thing in India where they allowed women to add, like, a shield mm -hmm. so that their photos would be downloaded. I was just going to ask if you'd seen that much. Oh. And then also if you have practical ideas around, like, what Facebook and others could be doing. Well, I, but I don't really know what Facebook can do. Um, the thing with um, Afghan... 
um, culture is that, you know, it's not really much about, I don't think it's that much about what a Facebook can do. It is that the social norms in Afghanistan are extremely rigid. And a lot of women who also have mobile phones in Afghanistan and can get on social media platforms, they're, they have like child locks on it so their husbands don't allow them to 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 go on certain websites and stuff it's not as it's not like facebook can do much unless they go to afghanistan and think of something um but yeah i think it's a lot of social norms which are really really rigid that just suffocate that and women don't have um economic independence and autonomy as well so i hope i gave you the answer. Thank you. Thank you so much for your inspiring talk about your empowering work.